The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. How do I want to show up today? Hey everyone, from LinkedIn News, this is In the Arena, a podcast exploring human potential. I'm Leah Smart, and every week you'll find me right here in conversation with bright minds and brave hearts, learning how we can improve our lives and our world by transforming ourselves. This week I talked to Mark Champagne, love that last name. His voice is the one that you heard at the top of the show. Ten or so years back, Mark left the corporate world to found a journaling app for self-reflection called Kayo. He did the thing that many of us think about, admire others for, and sometimes are brave enough to replicate. He took the leap. And while his app reached close to 90 million people, it wasn't monetizing, so he shut it down. Mark experienced the thing that we all worry about, and probably the reason many of us don't take the leap, which is, will my exciting new venture fail? But our conversation isn't about his startup. It's about what happened afterward. Mark began documenting the journey of the people he calls the mentally fit. These are people who worked on their mindsets as much as they worked on their bodies. And he dove into the Socratic method, which you can think of as continual question asking. A few years later, he released his first book, which is called Personal Socrates. It's about the questions that we can ask ourselves to get unstuck and live into our own potential. So in this episode, he shares some of the best questions that you can ask to help you make the improvements you want in your life and how to make this process fit into your already busy schedule. We did joke a bit about this whole, I'm either sitting in meditation for an hour every day or I'm doing none of it narrative, which tends to be mine. And I think it's a perspective that can make it hard to start a personal growth journey. So get ready for some simple yet game-changing questions and pause if there's one that you wanna consider in the moment, starting with Mark's first. How do I want to show up today? You know, it's a nice introduction to mental fitness because it, it's not something that takes a tremendous amount of time, but just by setting even a one word intention for the day has an incredible uh, outcome, right? Like you're, you're starting the day on your own terms versus letting outside forces dictate that uh, just with one word. And I do it as my coffee brews. So mm. we can all do this, <laughs> you know? And that's, I mean, I think that summarizes the majority of the the work that I try to do and why I've given myself essentially the title as a mental fitness strategist, because it's all just trying to put together the the building blocks of of a personalized mental fitness practice so that we can A, feel good, but B, you know, think and operate at the best we can from a mental capacity. What is mental fitness? Mental fitness, it, it came out of necessity to use that language. And I, I remember, because this would have been probably about five years back, I had left my corporate role in brand management and created, uh, at the time, one of the first guided journaling apps. And what I used to get all the time when I would talk about journaling was people saying, oh, you're talking about the 12-year-old girl writing her diary about the boy at school type thing. And I used to kind of chuckle because I'd say, not that there's anything wrong with that. I actually encourage that. But no, I'm talking about how I've noticed over the last decade of studying minds that people that are performing and feeling really good as well 
take time to slow down and reflect. And to me, reflection is the actual practice of journaling. So in order to avoid that whole scenario, I used to talk about the practice under the umbrella of mental fitness because people could understand physical fitness and understand that, oh, when I talk about exercise or, or anything related to physical fitness, there are many different elements, right? And it doesn't mean that if I don't like to run, it doesn't mean that I don't like to, you know, jump on a bike or go for a long walk or stretch or do yoga or whatever. So it was a nice parallel to then bridge into, well, mental fitness includes mental health because that obviously is a massive, uh, topic and also something that comes pretty loaded with a lot of stigma. So this way you can put it under there and include that in with mental performance, mental resiliency, mental agility. And then you have all of these different modalities and practices, journaling and reflection, uh, meditation are just a few, but they all come under this umbrella. Then what's nice about that is that we can look at our individual lives and our routines and our rituals and what's going on and figure out, oh, okay, you know what? Uh, maybe some breath work for me would be good. Or maybe starting the day setting an intention uh, would be beneficial for, for the way my life is unfolding right now. And it just opens up a wider conversation. And you learn this from your podcast, I'm guessing, of interviewing all of these people who are you know, maybe what we call mental fitness experts or Olympians. Well, yes. I mean, it's funny because the guests on the show, there definitely are, I would say, mental fitness experts. But I actually try to the, the best of my ability to include almost the opposite and show that they actually are mental fitness experts in some capacity. So I'm talking about, you know, the designer or the product strategist or, you know, the Michelin star chef that they come on and I get this all the time. And these are usually the best interviews and they say, I don't do really anything related to mental fitness. So I'm not quite sure what we're going to talk about. And I'm like, yes, because this is going to be the best one, right? And this happened with, with a Michelin star uh, chef out in, in London, UK. And next thing you know, he's sharing the story about how he comes into the kitchen early mornings, chops parsley alone, and it, that's his time to just let the mind sit. And I'm like, there it is. You know, that's your thing, right? So, you know, for, for everyone on the other side listening, what is the equivalent for you to bring that stillness to your mind? It might be, you know, preparing dinner or preparing a meal, um, but it might be something completely different. But if we don't slow down to think about those things and identify what I like to call our thriving lists, um, because if we can list out, you know, three to five things that we know will put a smile on our face and make us feel good, then we can always default to those practices or those activities when life starts to throw us the curveballs, which we all know will happen. Yeah, I love that you back into this a little bit with people who may not believe themselves to be, you know, someone who practices mental fitness. Um, I think, you know, what you're also doing is, you know, for those people who are like, this kind of work, this kind of stuff is for those set of people. I don't really yes. do that. They can maybe see themselves in, you know, if it's not the Michelin chef, it's someone in product and tech that maybe does whatever they do for a period of time um, just to be able to center themselves. And it doesn't have to have all of these phrases and terms attached to it that might make people feel like they're either in or out of a specific kind of uh, demographic of people. You, you nailed it. And I realized this when we were running the app and 
you know, how we were able to, I think, reach nearly 90 million people with it, 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 it all comes down to the narratives behind the practices. Because it's not as if I'm inventing questions or the, the, <laughs> the practice of reflection or journaling. It's literally been around since the beginning of time. But what I've noticed, and I, I noticed this most recently as well with, uh, with my book, Personal Socrates, that I included people that I've interviewed in the past uh, on the show, but then also started to think, well, who are other people that are just historical names that anyone would recognize, like Picasso or Maya Angelou or Kobe Bryant, and look at their work, like look at someone like a Picasso that is is well known for his, his art and his painting, and unpack his his work from the perspective of how can we relate that to our lives and ask some questions like, um, you know, what color stage am I in in my life right now? Because if you look at Picasso's work, it goes through different uh, hues of color. You know, mm-hmm. there was the blue stage when he was depressed. He had lost a really uh, close friend. And then, then he shifted into like the rose and the warmer colors when he had met his wife and got married. And, you know, we can all relate to those kind of, of, of life events and just take a moment and look, okay, well, you know, I'm at this age, what would be the color I would associate to my life in that stage and why, you know, what happened there? Like, see, it's almost like an audit, right, of, of how we got to where we're, we're at. And then we have the power to write the next chapters of our life, right, and understand, okay, it's not about judging where I came from, but this is, this is what made me, me. And now I can decide, well, do I want those characters in my life? How do I want to, you know, unravel uh, the, the next chunks of time, essentially, mm-hmm. right? You know, that's just simple reflection, but it's, it's usually the narrative that, oh, interesting, it's kind of this Picasso angle or Jane Austen or Maya Angelou that gets us thinking differently. Yeah, you know, it's funny. You're talking about different people, um, I was imagining that it could also be easier, you know, in positive psychology, we talk about taking the third person to kind of help yourself get out of the the experience you're in. So oftentimes yeah. we get so stuck in our own story that it's hard to step out and ask ourselves the questions. But if we could look at it from the perspective of a Maya Angelou or a Chris Shembra and say, huh, what would they do? And Maya Angelou did that. Yeah. She used to do. She used to say, what would grandma do in this situation, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's so applicable in so many different uh, experiences, whether we're about to give a talk, whether we're about to present something to our team, like whatever it is, she would she would say, all right, before I step on stage, before I direct a movie or before I read this poetry, I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to picture and bring everyone in my life that... I know loves me and supported me and they're coming up on stage with me. And I'm paraphrasing all this, but, um, and then she said, you see, I'm never alone. And it's just these small little micro adjustments to our thinking, our perspective that all of a sudden we can take a situation that would feel really scary or fire up all the nerves and whatnot and, and just calm it down ever so slightly, right? With our crew with us, essentially. Yeah. You know, Mark, I think it's easy for you and I to talk about this as two people who may be, you know, fairly deep into this work. Um, and people who are doing this, of course, then do it. And then we're all in our own sort of echo chamber yeah. of of the conversation. But I can remember, you know, four years ago or five years ago when this would have seemed totally foreign to me. And it would have just been easier to 
continue on my own, you know, corporate journey on the path that had been laid ahead of me. Um, it felt scary and hard to even broach some of these questions. It was really until I hired a life coach that, that that's how it felt. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that. I'm I'm curious what your what your perspective is there. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because I mean that is always something that's in the back of my mind because your point. I mean, for me, it's been probably the last four or five years of being very, very focused on the the area of mental fitness. But then a decade before that, when I was in the corporate world, just practicing it on, on my own. So it's been quite some time. And I always have to remind myself to just stick to the basics, right? Like stick to those scenarios where we can stack on, not necessarily add an hour practice or really rock someone's routine and, and rituals, but like think about and, and do a bit of an audit. Okay, well, if I have a coffee every morning or brew a tea or have a big glass of water, maybe that's the moment there where I can ask simple questions like, how do I feel right now? And just, just taking a moment before we start the day to come out of our heads into our bodies. And, and, you know, if I feel stress or if I feel nervous, you know, where do I feel that in my body? And, and you know this, but as soon as you start acknowledging where you feel it, oftentimes it's released as well. But I think the biggest thing is that whether we ask the question or not, that feeling is there. And it's just, if we, if we decide not to acknowledge it, then we, we pull that into the day and it affects everything else and it compounds and it continues to go, right? And there's there's someone I've interviewed a couple times now, uh, Chip Conley, who uh, uh, I think most people probably know him as a, as a strategic advisor for Airbnb, but he ran uh, a hospitality brand for, for 24 years. And he calls this, this compounding of emotions and thoughts and whatnot as the psychic toll that then we all recognize this, then all of a sudden it starts to show up in our neck, in our shoulders, right? In our back. And we're like, oh, we need a massage. Uh, or worse, you know, it, it develops into something even even more so. And that's what he had used for his practices, just really simple questions. How, how energized and alive do I feel? And if the answer is, I, I don't, well, then, you know, why? And what's fueling that? And it doesn't take that long to go through that process. Like I said, it could be while your coffee's brewing or you take a quick walk. So I think, you know, just to, to, to go back to your, your point, Leah, it, it doesn't have to be the seven-day silent retreat, you know, to, to be like the starting point. Just like it, coming back to the analogy of exercise, I mean, you don't have to start at the marathon training. You know, you can start with taking a walk. And in, in this case too, like you can literally start with taking a walk 10 minutes after lunch, you know, just to reset your mind and be present with what you're seeing and, and your environment. And this is all mental. There's a physical benefit, but this is all mental fitness as well. Because if you're, if you're, you're walking in silence and just trying to be present, you're also training your, your curiosity muscles, your training presence. And that shows up in your work after as well. Like you catch the details. Mm right? Or you see the next, uh, the next path forward. And they're just these micro adjustments to our days that um, have this tremendous impact over time so that we don't get to these places of hitting a wall or, um, you know, we just, we feel like we're spiraling out of control type of scenario. 
And I like that you start with small steps. I've been thinking a lot about, you know, just the the 1% better idea. How could I be 1% better today than I was yesterday? Um, yeah. Number one, because it personalizes it. So we're taking out comparison to other people. But at the same time, you know, it allows for really small steps forward, Um because I can remember a time where I would have thought I would have to do the seven day retreat or an hour long walk or, you know, 30 minutes of something. And so I just wouldn't do it because it was yeah. just easier to not do it because I felt so busy and it would stress me out to do it. So I love that you've broken it down into like, you know, your 10 minutes of walking or just while you're doing something else to take a moment and ask these questions like, how do I want to show up today? How am I feeling right now? Well, and the other thing, and, and this is why I continue to, to to host my podcast, because everything I'm trying to do in that show and in any conversation, and if I'm coming into a, a team on the corporate side as well, is just to bring the examples to show anyone can do this. And people that are, whether they're millionaires or billionaires or Olympic athletes or award-winning designers and writers, they're doing these very small little steps. It's the consistency, obviously, that that matters. But it's not, I, you know, I, who comes to mind right away is Apollo Ono, right? Uh, at the time, and I think he still is, one of the most decorated Winter Olympians in, uh, in the US, at least, uh, for short track speed skating. And I just, I remember asking him, like, how do you keep your mind so focused and dialed into your training and, you know, pushing yourself and, and so forth? And he had what I call like this Olympic level reminder system, which are post-its. It, nothing complicated, just, you know, just like how we opened the show. He would set his intention or a word or a theme for the year, uh, write that down, or he'd write down his goals on a post-it and put them in areas where he would frequent most, on his fridge or in his closet. And they just served as reminders because like the rest of us, you know, he's in the same game of life and, you know, has the same kind of stresses that come his way and many more, probably just given the level of, of training and where, where he's competing at. But he's not, you know, he's not immune to the, 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 the stresses of life. We need those reminders. So that's why, like for me, if you could start any place, I would suggest a few minutes in the morning. Because at least life hasn't happened yet and you can start the day off on your own terms. And you can start the day off with some very, very simple mental fitness that will most likely, what probably happened to both you and I, then expand, right? Because then you get curious because you start to feel the benefits. And all of a sudden, you're opened up to this whole world that seems unlimited. Next thing you know, you're trying out breath work or you are going to that meditation retreat or you're, you, you've, you've stepped up this journaling practice or you're doing hot cold therapy. I mean, there's so many different things that we can do that we don't have to put our minds through such pain and torture. You know, there's stuff that obviously will happen, but so much of it we can either release it or prevent. And, and, you know, that's kind of my mission with, with all this work. And I, and that's why I'm so obsessed with questions because you just proved the point, you know, how can I be 1% better today? That gave you the pause to think, okay, I want to get 1% better. And then the next step in the formula is, well, what intentional habit or action am I going to take? And then we keep doing that. And then that's where all of a sudden there's, there's possibility and there's like an expansion of opportunity that comes with, rolling out that formula day in and day out. 
And, you know, the thing that saved me at points is also the fact that um, you can ask a question like, how do I want to show up today in the morning? And then recognize at noon that you're not showing up like that. Um, And so you can then re-ask the question and just say, how do I want to show up right now? And I think in our culture, we're very performative, right? So it's scary to think about setting an intention and then, you know, messing it up. Um, so, so, you yeah. know, being able to just come back to it, uh, and say, you know, all right, what, how do I want to show up right now? How do I want to show up today? I think is, is really meaningful. We're going to take a break, but here's what I love about what Mark has already shared. The simplicity of setting an intention for how you want to show up at the start of the day, before a meeting, before you have to tell someone something they may not want to hear, when you're about to celebrate yourself or someone else. I used to never do this, and I still forget, but the times I do, I'm better. And by the way, sometimes your best self is just you operating at 80% or coming in with a mixed bag of emotions. That's all good. When we get back, Mark gives us some more ways to become our own personal Socrates. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. uh, We'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. and so. We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. We're back with Mark Champagne. So since Mark's book is all about turning the Socratic method on yourself, I figured I'd ask him how we can jumpstart our own Socratic dialogue. I'm curious, you know, Mark, you have interviewed so many different people. You've written this book, Personal Socrates. You have all of these amazing questions. What do you believe is the most powerful um, or most actionable question somebody could ask themselves? And I know I'm, I'm putting you in a box of all the no, questions. I, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see what, how you feel about my answer because... The answer is it depends, and I'll 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 provide I'll, I will give some some staple prompts I think that anyone can use. But I say it depends because for me, what makes a very high quality question is a well timed question. And you know the example uh, 
I can give for that is when when I had to delete that app um, because financially it wasn't working. And this was the app that you'd created? Yeah, the journaling app, yeah, that I had left, you know, kind of a very secure, kind of comfy job to, to do. And I remember I was looking at the Apple dashboard that had all the metrics and there was the one number that stuck out. It was the 86.9 million App Store impressions. And just thinking, wow, my next step is to hit delete from App Store. I mean, and then all the wrong questions started to surface. Like, how could we fail at such a colossal level? Like, what would my family think? What would my ex-colleagues think? Because when I was leaving that industry, I remember everyone kind of looking at me with almost this, this back thought of, wow, you're so courageous. Like, I have an idea too. I want to do that. And then here I am, you know, like I said, it, 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 in retrospect, it succeeded in many ways. It's, it's the reason I'm speaking with you, right? And, and I really value these conversations. Um, but I was asking all the wrong questions and until I got to the point where I could quiet my mind enough and I just used gratitude practices as much as possible. Uh, I was exercising and I was trying to stay in the present moment to pause the narrative that was definitely driving me into a pretty deep depression. I could, I could feel that. And the question for me at that time was, well, what do I want for my life? And I share this because that question saved me from a pretty bad mental health space. You know, I was going down that path. But if you ask me that question today, it serves as a nice check-in and just a, a nice spot check. I'm like, okay, things are, are, are trending in the right direction, but it doesn't have the same power of what it did uh, saving me from a pretty bad health outcome, right? So that's why I think the theme of the conversation has has been centered around finding the place to start that works for you and finding the narrative that makes sense. So for someone, it depends on where they're at. Maybe they need some questions that are uh, uh, geared towards unpacking some clarity on, you know, where am I at now and where do I want to be in, in six months? Or if we take some prompts from James Clear, like who am I optimizing to become? Or am I climbing the right mountain, right? That might land with someone based on where they're at. Because if it lands with, with, with what you're dealing with right now, then it actually gives you some value, right? And that's why the book also is set up in a way that they're profiles. And my suggestion always is, is start with the prompt or the person that resonates the most. That's probably where you'll get the most value. And then you can just jump around. And I think, book aside, I think that's that's relevant with any books that you pick up or any podcast episodes. I, I mean, we've, you and I are probably in podcast feeds uh, more often than not. And just, you know, even just scrolling through the episodes, uh, that one, like there's something in the title that really lands, go there, right? So it's the same thing with the questions. But just because I, I promised you I'd, I'd answer the question directly, you can never go wrong with a question like this one to end each day or week what can I celebrate from the day? Or who, we talked about a mutual friend, Chris Shembra, who can I celebrate? I use Chris's gratitude questions often because it's the easiest way to pause a really bad situation that's sending our mind down all these different narratives is if you just take a breath and you think about, you write down one name, one person that you haven't thanked in a long time that you want to thank and just send them a message. Hey, thinking of you, hope you have a great day. I mean, not only did you just make their day, they're probably going to write back, make your day, and you've paused the loop, right? So I would say any type of gratitude practices uh, or questions, like those are the ones that 
um, really never let you down. Yeah, I and I love that you end on gratitude. You know, it's it's funny. It's something that I was again like a few years back. I would have been annoyed if someone. I remember sitting in a meeting and somebody said wanted to start it off with gratitude, and I was like, oh god. Not this, yeah, you know, um, and <laughs> totally. and in the same way that we're talking about mental fitness and you know this one percent better um, every day that you do something like this, what I've noticed is I end up now, you know, a few years later, it's conditioned in me. Brains have a level of you know neuroplasticity which we don't have to go into, but we're able to reshape what the stories that we have, and so For just sure. the continual practice helps you reshape it to the point where you know now. I will message people and say thinking of you or I'm so grateful to have you or just say things that I used to not say uh, to others um, and not even to myself. And so, you know, now yeah. there are things that I will say and appreciate about myself and others. And, um, you know, like you mentioned, these questions just continue to help us get more aware of how we show up. I always end this show with three statements for you to complete, but I'm going to I'm going to do this a little bit differently with you. In this theme of the conversation around being 1% better and continual or gradual progress towards um, you know, becoming the people that we want to be and reaching our potential, I'm curious for you to give us some guidance on the three types of questions that we can be asking ourselves in our society to get a little bit better. So the first one is, what can individuals be asking themselves? Well, I mean, I have a sequence of three questions that really uh, I think could resonate with where you're trying to go with this. And it's a practice in itself that uh, I do every Friday, usually mid-afternoon. And it's unlocked so much clarity and brought in a ton of focus, at least for me personally. I see this flow come up with so many people on, on the show. And these are the three prompts. One, what did I learn this week? Take a look at your calendar. Take a look at where you spent your time and see where you grew. What would I have changed this week? Which is super important. Maybe how you handle the conversation or whether you were hard on yourself that's the other big one. We think a lot about others, but were we hard on ourselves this week and why, right? Um, and then it probably you're, you're already guessing this one, but you know, what can I celebrate about this week? Or what was awesome about this week? What made me smile about this week? And, and the reason for the sequence and the reason for finishing on the gratitude and also the reason for doing it on a Friday is that it's a beautiful way to bookend the week and finish on... Uh, a note, and this only takes 10 or 15 minutes, but the, the, if you're not doing this, what often happens is we're rushing to the end of the day and we're rolling into the weekend with everything's kind of still circulating in our minds. Whereas here we've, we've taken some time to learn and to grow, to uh, be 1% better as, as you say, and we finish off on this note of, uh, of gratitude and excitement that we can go into the weekend present and ready to go and also start the next week feeling like, you know, I'm ready, right? And you can do this daily as well. But that sequence of questions uh, I see play out over and over again across all of these different uh, experts and industries. And it just, it's, it's 10 to 15 minutes. Love it. And that closes our chapter of the day or the week. Okay. And so what do you believe workplaces could be asking? What's the one question to help them get better? 
I'll, I'll leave a big question for workplaces. This is one that, that I work with people on. And it's just, I shouldn't say it's just, it's a big question, but where am I playing it safe? Or what am I pretending not to know? Because especially in the workplace, we're often on autopilot. Our comfort level resides in things that we know work, things that we've done before, and we're like, we can rely on, for example, right? And there's obviously, you know, there's, there's some benefit to that. You don't want to be completely rocking the boat all the time. But that then shifts us over to this thinking of, well, I'm not going to take a chance there, right? So a question like, where am I playing it safe? You can think about, well, what is, there's usually that one thing that's kind of in the back of our, our mind or in the corner of the room type thing that like, we've thought about, but it's just, uh, I don't know, I haven't really given it that much attention or it's a bit scary. That's the place to start. If you really start to talk about it with conviction and energy, then all of a sudden people start to follow you and want to help on that mission, whatever it is. So it's just a great way to take what may seem like impossible to possible. Right. So it's opening up the way that we think, especially collectively. All right. And here's the last one. What can our global community be asking ourselves to make the world 1% better? Oh, I love that. I love that. It makes me think, I interviewed Paul Hawken, uh, who's been around uh, the world for quite some time uh, working on the environment and so forth. And we spent a lot of time on these type of questions. And the question that comes up for me and, and that I've been thinking about since that interview is just, what can I do you know, for the world? What matters for me when it comes to the happiness of the world, the, the sustainability of the world. And again, it, it, it boils right back down to the overall theme that's coming from this conversation. And that's identifying a place that you can tap into that means something to you, right? And then, then we can start. And then that opens up a whole dialogue around so many different things. But if you have no connection to the forest, for example, then maybe that's not the place to, to put your mind you know, and there's so many different places to start. So I think the question of, you know, what really matters to me, what really matters to the world, right? And just spend some time with a pen and a, and a notebook and, and let that flow. And I guarantee stuff will surface that you probably have never thought about. And then at least provides a bit of a, a, a beacon or a guiding light to start somewhere. Hmm. I love that. Mark, thank you so much for joining me in the arena today, and thank you for your work. I am in the frame of gratitude celebrating that you are someone who's out doing this kind of work for people, and uh, I guarantee beyond what you know, you've affected people. So thank you for for being out here doing this and changing your corner of the world. Oh, my, my heart is full, Leah. Thank you, and, and, and thank you for showing up with just awesome energy and holding space for a great conversation. That was Mark Champagne, speaker, mental fitness strategist, and author of Personal Socrates. One big thing before we go, and I'll make this one simple. My aha moment with Mark was when he said the best question is not actually about the quality of the question, but about its timing. You don't need to consider every single question all at once. Instead, ask yourself the one you'd want to dig into based on what would be most supportive of you right now. If today's show helped you on your journey, hop onto Apple Podcasts and give us a rating. And if the spirit moves you, write a quick review. It helps other listeners like you find this show and grow with our community. 
And of course, you can find me on LinkedIn, writing about human potential, and send me a message. I'd love to hear from you. In the Arena is a production of LinkedIn News. The show is produced by Michelle O'Brien. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Lorencia Iriando is head of original audio and video. Dave Pond is our technical director. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. And I'm Leah Smart. Thanks so much for coming on the journey with me, and I'll see you next week.